Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. This show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its Soundness Initiative. This episode is sponsored by the Finest Service Organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. Hi, I'm Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and we have a great episode today. We have a CEO from one of our POCUA credit unions. It's Wendy Tariff, the CEO of Greater Hartford Police Federal Credit Union, and she's been in the credit union industry since 1999. She's been CEO of Greater Hartford Police Federal Credit Union since July of 2018, so she's going to have a wealth of knowledge on how to to really hone your finances if you're a police officer, first responder, and probably (laughs) any position. But enough of me talking. Wendy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. We've had so many good discussions off camera uh, and off recording on financial education, you know, we seem to be like practically a hundred percent aligned. So I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to this show. Um, tell us a little bit about, before we get into that, about your particular institution and the first responders you serve. Okay. So, um, I run a small credit union that serves all of law enforcement in Hartford County. We're located inside the Hartford Public Safety Complex. Right now we have about 2,100 members. Hopefully we'll have more very soon. And uh, most of them are Hartford police officers and their families because we were formerly only for Hartford police. So reaching out into the other police departments in the county has been my goal since I started there. But, we so we serve an interesting group of people um in only two years i have grown to feel like they are all my children even though some of them are older than i am but not too many um and i really care about their well-being and their challenges that they face every day and um it's very rewarding but also very frustrating to help these folks with their financial wellness and with their financial challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine sometimes I'm 50 years old. Can I be one of your children? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Close. God, God knows I need all the help that I can get, but that's, (laughs) that's a whole different show. Uh, (laughs) One that I don't really want to produce. So (laughs) (laughs) As I mentioned uh, when we were when we started recording, you know, you're very very passionate about financial education. Um, what is maybe the number one action, uh, or maybe even lack thereof? Because sometimes not doing something is good for your finances as well. Uh, yeah. What's what's what the number one action, or maybe some of the best advice that you give to improve the financial lives of your members? Well, in response to that, I have to tell you a small story, Ken. 
Um, Please, when I got first time. started work, <laughs> I guess. When I started, don't tell me that, I'll be on all night. Um, when I started with Hartford Police Federal Credit Union, um, I didn't know that much about police officers, about the detail of police officers' lives. And I learned very, very quickly. And a lot of it was surprise. And one of the most surprising things was police officers' relationship to their money. And over time, I realized that these are people who usually start working at a young age, and they immediately have the capability of making a lot of money. And they're thrilled, of course, but they don't have the knowledge to manage it. And they only think in terms of the present. And when I started realizing that this might be true, I asked, um, I asked some, some officers and I asked some wives of officers, why do you suppose this is true why is there this resistance to planning for the future and um generally the answer i got was we live for today um yeah. today could be our last when we go to work anything could happen so we're going to be all about self-gratification and i don't know if that's you know if anybody would admit that on camera but i will admit that this is what i see and i've talked to a lot of other credit union um CEOs and officers and board members, and it seems to be consistent. So the most important thing for me is trying to combat that attitude, that live for today attitude, because even though that's true, anybody could go to work and get in a situation where they don't go home. Mm -hmm. I think that Obviously, you can't live like that. You're destined for trouble if you live like that. And when you start, when these officers get out of the academy, they immediately start spending. And they immediately start thinking that they will never have any problems because they can always get more hours. They can always work overtime. They can take an extra shift. And right now the pandemic has brought some cold, hard reality to these yeah. folks um, because there are no special events that they can get mm -hmm. their overtime at. There are very, very limited ways for them to earn money and all of a sudden they're coming and asking for help on loans that they can't pay or mortgage they can't pay so they need an emergency loan from our credit union and I'm happy to help, but this can all be avoided if people learn at the very beginning of their career in law enforcement to be prudent and not get in over their heads and think that, oh, I'll just work more hours and everything will be fine. Yeah, I, I, try, and, yeah, I, I, I try and get that into their the cats, but it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard that as well. That we live for today. Um, that we could die on our shift tomorrow. Um, you know, having had the pleasure of working with law enforcement in one way, shape, or form for a little over fifteen years. Um, you know the 
I understand the mentality, but what you said was spot on in what we are dealing with now uh, and may still deal with for a number of months. Um, A lot of officers, they get those extra hours or that extra uh, part-time work by being a bouncer at a nightclub. Uh, or working mm-hmm. security, you know, at the Yankee game, um, and so forth. And that's all dead for the moment, <laughs> at least. Uh, and you can't yes. get that extra work. Um, and then all of a sudden, you you get um, a, a dose of reality, <laughs> if you will. It's like, whoa, <laughs> no, I really, you know, sometimes I really can't get this. You know, in terms of, right. of in terms of that mentality, you know, especially with, you know, your maternal approach <laughs> to financial education, is there anything that does get through to some of these folks in that? Because I would assume, uh, because I've never done, you know, I've never tried to educate a police officer on finances. I've worked with them, but I've never gone down that road. Um, in, in that type of endeavor, is there anything that's said that works? Because I would assume that if we say, you know, you can't do this, you have to save money. You know, I know you're only 23 years old, da, 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 that that won't necessarily work. Is there something softer that does kind of get into their minds of, you know, maybe I should just put away a little bit. Maybe I should have a little bit of a rainy day fund. Well, I think that speaking in the context of their experience is really important. I think that if I can be very specific and say, what if this situation were to happen tomorrow? What if you were to go out and get in a car accident in your squad car and have a broken back? and you were like in the hospital for two months, what would happen to your money? What would happen to your finances? And just leave that open and let them figure it out for themselves because it's always better in any learning experience for the learner, for the student to come to that conclusion by themselves. It'll stay in their mind better if if they felt the birth of that idea. So I say, What would happen if you got in an accident? What would happen if you got shot on duty tomorrow? And I would like have to knock on wood, but I always try to bring that up and say, what would happen and just wait. And they usually come to the conclusion and they can be brought to the right conclusion that, gee, maybe I ought to have some kind of a fallback. Yeah. And, um, that's the way I think that they can learn it the best and how I can bring that realization to them. And then the other thing is to start having this conversation immediately. And I'm lucky that um, the Hartford chief agrees with me on this and actually has had me speak to people that are potential recruits that they haven't even been accepted into the academy yet but to talk to them about, hey, this is not just someplace where you can make tons of money on overtime and get a truck and a jet ski and a boat and a summer house. Mm -hmm. This is a place in life where you have to make your budget, you have to pay your bills, and you have to think about the future, and you can't be all about today. Yeah. 
And so it was great that he wanted to get that message to potential recruits. And then of course, to get to the academy and start talking with them there. And then hopefully over time, um, the amount of people that come to see me to give them loan workouts or to help them with debt consolidation, maybe that will decrease over time if we can keep having that conversation really early. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great point. I love what you said in terms of speaking their language, kind of paraphrasing that, uh, because then that begins to you know create some understanding it becomes their idea not your idea um, right, that, right. <laughs> just planting that seed yeah and you know they're smart folks they are they've got a lot more common sense and obvious street smarts than i do they've learned it and they'll understand in their context they they really want to live to live their world um, in the context of the job because it's so incredibly life-changing and it's so powerful and that it's hard to not think about everything in terms of the job. Yeah, yeah, and, and even you know, the, the sad fact uh, is that even with a six-figure salary, yeah, it's it's one thing in this is one of the things that my wife tells me she's in healthcare um is you know when I make a flippant joke about you know eating something say really fatty and bad for me and just say well we need to do better on that and I'll joke and say well if I have a heart attack and die then you get the insurance money and so forth and right. she, it reminds me in a similar way that that you just said is well, but if you have a stroke and you're a vegetable for the next 20 years, I don't want all of our finances to be drained and I don't want to have to deal with my husband that way. And because maybe, and I think this is where some officers may have a little bit of a dose of reality because they put their lives on the line and are always protecting somebody else. They're not really thinking about themselves per se, but once it becomes mm -hmm. okay, you know, if I'm injured, how do I, if I have, you know, a spouse and children, you know, how do I take care of them if I can't work anymore? Now that all of a sudden that becomes a, a different thought in their mind and tapping into their innate ability to want to take care of other people, all of a sudden they begin to think of finances in a different way. At least that's how I would see it. Yes, as long as they can be convinced that it's it's faulty to only live for today. Mm -hmm. um, if they can be, then we just have to have a conversation like, what if this, what if that? Yeah. What if you died? What would happen to your mortgage? What would happen to your car loans that you're making payments on for your kids' cars? You know, you want your kids to get their cars repossessed? Of course not. Nobody wants that. Yeah. But you have to put it in that language. And um, then they realize. But then it's a question of like, okay, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. I'm like six years on the job. I've got some deferred comp. I've got no savings. I've got a truck loan. I've got a maxed out credit card. 
And um, even though I'm making gobs of money, I live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we have to address all the time, all the time. And um, it's very hard because you have to really think long term mm -hmm. and say, well, you just have to start putting something away as small, you know, whatever you can. Nothing is too small, mm -hmm. but it's very important to, um, to get that rainy day fund. I just was, um, I had the pleasure of being on a webinar with Susie Ormond mm. and um, she said, and I always thought it was, you should have six months of your pay in a rainy day fund. And she said it was eight months now. So I guess inflation has hit the rainy day funds, but <laughs> it's really important. And hardly anybody has that, yeah. really. People always yeah. say like, I'll just borrow more. And that's not a good attitude to have. Yeah, and that eventually runs out too. Uh, I think the, the pandemic and COVID might have a little bit to do with affecting our oh, yeah. funds. So yeah, that's a great segue into, you know, you're wisely teaching these folks as early as you can um, to begin planning for their financial future. You know, what are some of the other things you teach them more, more specifically? I mean, we, we can't, I mean, and I think if we told an officer, you can't have any fun, 100% has to go to savings, that there has to be because they have one of the toughest jobs out there. You know, they have to be able mm -hmm. to have some enjoyment. So you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about how you teach them a little bit of balance, maybe. <laughs> well, I actually try to explain our lending practices. What is good lending? Why is it okay for me to give you a truck loan? Why is that okay? Why is it less risky? I talk about risk a lot because I think that's a concept that officers really understand, that first responders really understand. So I say, well, you know, it's more risky for me to give you a $25,000 credit card than it is to give you a $25,000 pickup truck loan. Do you know why? And they, they start getting it. Mm -hmm. They start getting um, why it's, it's good to minimize risk. And then I'll, I will specify, this is your situation. This is the amount of risk that I'm willing to take mm -hmm. with you on loans. And I love to be able to give them a loan so that they can safely get anything that they want in the world. But... I don't want to be seeing them later. I don't want to be calling them later and saying, I just took 50% of your paycheck because you're behind on your loan payments. Yeah. Those are calls I don't like to make. So I would rather really do everything up front. And I don't mind explaining our lending um, philosophy because I think it's really sound. And I think it's keeping our members um, in, in the forefront. And, you know, sometimes saying no is the kindest thing that we can do, but we'd rather say yes. Obviously, that's how we make our money. So we want to make loans. We want people to borrow money from us. Um, what really hurts me is if I deny someone a loan and then they come back to me later, say, 
I don't know, six or eight months, and they're looking for a debt consolidation loan, and I pull their credit, and I see that like a week after I told them I won't give you that truck loan, they went they somewhere, somewhere else, else, and they got a higher rate, and they got the truck loan, and now they're in trouble. I hate seeing that and I, I wish, and I, you know, I don't ever say I told you so, but I, you, I, you I just, say, you do you thinking. see, <laughs> well, yes, should have listened, you know, it's a mom thing, but um, I say, do you see where this went south? Mm -hmm. Do you see how this happened? And again, I let them have that idea for themselves. So it's meaningful and it stays in their mind and they don't forget the next time they want a new truck. Yeah. So that works. It does work. And, and we make all kinds of loans. I've had the pleasure of making a loan to an officer for all kinds of stuff. Um, a train. An actual train engine. An actual like, train engine. Does he like live? An actual or? train. There's a, <laughs> and and this man is very public about it, so I don't mind speaking about it on camera. Uh -huh. Um, he's a he's a gentleman who's um an officer in Hartford and has a his family has a big farm, mm. and he is he does a lot of charitable work and he's recreating the Polar Express oh, wow. on his farm because they grow Christmas trees among other things. Okay. So he um he needed a train and we helped him get one. And he's now got tracks on his somewhere on his property and he runs a steam uh, steam engine wow. with a car and a caboose and gives you know ultimately it's not completely finished but ultimately they'll be giving rides in the winter and doing a little Christmassy Polar Express thing. Yeah, um, yeah, that's neat. And I love being able to do that. Yeah. I love being able to do creative lending when I know that it's safe. Yeah. Yeah. I, love I will never repo that train, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, that might be never a challenge. Be <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I love that story in a, in, a, in a day where, unfortunately, not every story about law enforcement is a positive one. Uh, we need more stories like that. So I appreciate you sharing that. That's, I, you know, I've been in the financial industry in one way, shape, or form since the late 80s. And I've never heard of anybody lending people money for a train. So that's a new one. <laughs> yes. It started out, he needed money to lay the track. And then it was, well, I'm buying a caboose. Can you help me out? And I researched it and I decided, you know, again, all about risk. Yeah. I decided it was okay. How much research and, did you do on cabooses? That's that's probably the most interesting question. I well, I, I discovered they have, they do have a serial number that's akin to a vehicle identification yeah. number. Uh -huh. So I could actually look it up and get evaluation and things like that, just the same as we do with the vehicle. So it wasn't that tough. Yeah. Yeah, a big shout out to my mom who worked for the railroad for 30 years. I never thought I Oh, she like that story. Yeah, I never I never thought I'd have a uh, a railroad tie in any of my shows, but here I got one. You never know what you're going to hear. Yeah, exactly. 
so you know all this is 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 really really poignant um and great advice for for any officer first responder out there in the country not just hartford is there is there maybe a number one tip because i know that there's you know probably you know 275 tips that you can give on how to better your finances but is there one number one tip that you know it's like all right you know at least for for the love of god do this one thing and you'll be a little bit better off that that you can share i hate to say this because <laughs> if they all listen to me it's going to cut into my business but don't overextend yourself with credit. Yeah. Just be temperate, be moderate, mm -hmm. and listen to your credit union because credit unions, more than any other institution, have your well being in mind and are not going to steer you into any kind of financial disorder. Whereas many other types of lenders, don't care whether you can pay that loan in three months or not because they're going to sell it. Yep. So they will just make the sale, get the financing for you and say goodbye. We're not going to say goodbye. Yeah. So, um, you know, be careful, be cautious. Even if you're just saving a little bit, put something away if you can. But I really feel the most important thing is try to be temperate with your borrowings. Yeah, yeah, great advice. And listen, yes. listen to your credit union. <laughs> yes, listen to your credit union. You know, especially if it's a POCUA credit union, like I like to say. Definitely. Especially for first responders and particularly for law enforcement. If you're not working with a POCUA credit union like Wendy's, then you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve law enforcement or first responders. Right. Um, and these guys like Wendy, not calling you a guy, but these folks, these professionals like Wendy know what you're dealing with, know you're the career that you're in, know the pitfalls and can have these conversations, especially in private uh, that are going to help you tremendously long-term. Um, Wendy, I learned a lot of stuff in this, in this episode, uh, even things about cabooses that I never even learned from <laughs> my mom. So that's kind of cool. Uh, Wendy, thank you so much for, for taking some time out of a really busy schedule to be with us today. Thank you for having me. It was great. My pleasure. Thank you again, Wendy. And thank you to all of you that have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we will be back at you again in about one week with another awesome episode based on our soundness initiative. Take care. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, 
you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.